Welcome to the Author Factor Podcast, where we break down exactly how smart business owners and corporate leaders leverage the powerful advantage of being a published book author. I'm your host, Mike Capuzzi, and you're in the right place if you want profitable, nonfiction book writing tips. Imagine soaring through the skies at breathtaking speeds, pushing boundaries and defying limits. My guest today has not only lived this reality, but has also inspired millions with her fearless pursuits. Michelle Mace Curran spent 13 remarkable years in the United States Air Force as an F-16 fighter pilot. From 2019 to 2021, she was the only female fighter pilot for the Air Force Thunderbirds and performed for millions across the country and internationally. Since retiring from the military, Michelle started her own company, Upside Down Dreams, where she provides keynotes and workshops to empower men and women of all ages to overcome obstacles and the fear of failure. Michelle just recently published her first book, Upside Down Dreams, which is an illustrated storybook written for girls with big dreams looking for a real-world heroine. Michelle, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I, it's a little bit longer intro, but you've done so many darn cool things, and you are such an oppressive woman. I, you know, I just had to share a, a bare uh, minimum, Michelle. So I, I definitely want you to share your story, um, the military story, what you've done there, because it's very cool. And then, if you don't mind, segue to what you're doing today. Yeah, no, that's that's a lot to cover, much like the bio. Like you said, I try to pare that thing down about halfway listen, halfway through listening to someone else read it. I'm like, oh, man, I need a shorter bio. Uh, but no, I you know went into the Air Force right out of Air Force ROTC, which I did through college, um, got a pilot training spot there. And my whole inspiration to be a pilot in the first place was seeing a couple of fighter jets take off in full afterburner. And so I went into Air Force pilot training kind of with this mentality of fighter jets or bust. So my, my goal was, you know, to walk away from that program assigned to a fighter aircraft, which is easier said than done. Um, but I worked my butt off during that year and ended up getting one of two fighter aircraft that were available to my class. Got my first choice, which was F-16s and was off to the races from there. And I spent 13 years on active duty. I flew the F-16 um, for three years living in Japan was stationed in Texas for three years, applied to the Thunderbirds uh, in Ellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, which is where I still live, um, flying as a solo pilot and eventually the lead solo pilot. And I had the interesting time of being a Thunderbird pilot during the pandemic, which was a whole adventure in itself. Um, Got to deploy to Afghanistan and really just travel and fly all over the world with some really incredible people and some really beautiful locations. And it was an amazing adventure. Um, But while I was with the Thunderbirds, I kind of realized that I was ready for a new challenge. And I found myself really, really loving the interactions I got to have in that role because, you know, the the Thunderbird squadron, their mission is different than your average F-16 squadron. You know, normally you have a tactical kind of a combat focus as an Air Force fighter pilot. But with the Thunderbirds, your mission is to recruit, retain, and inspire. And so you are in this very public facing role, kind of an ambassador between the U S military and the general public. And you're looked up to as a role model for a lot of people, especially for kids. And so I got to have these really incredible interactions all the time where I could see 
kids, especially little girls, seeing someone that looked like them doing something like that, just having this kind of transformational experience where one little conversation could really open up their eyes as far as what they could go do in the world. And it was the most rewarding thing I had ever experienced to be in a position where I could do that for people. And so, you know, after a couple of years of flying for the team, I started to think about how I could continue to do that in the civilian sector. So I ended up leaving active duty, starting Upside Down Dreams, which it does get confusing because I came up with what I thought was this great name for my business. (laughs) And then it also ended up being a great name for a children's book. So they're one and the same. Um, And, you know, started doing keynote speaking as the primary means of business, which is usually for corporate audiences. Occasionally I'll get in front of Um, Older kids at schools, high schoolers, college students, um, some more inspirational uh, focused audiences. But it's just been incredibly rewarding to do that as well, no matter who the audience is, because I talk about the things you mentioned, you know, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, facing fear, things that people might not expect a former fighter pilot to focus on, but that are incredibly relatable. And I think me being just really open with those struggles that I've had kind of normalizes it for people and makes them realize that they can still go do really incredible things, even if they're struggling with those things. Um, And so mixed in all of that, you have the children's book, Upside Down Dreams, which was about a four-year journey. Um, It's only been out as we're recording this for about two months. Um, It's done really well as a bestseller on Amazon. It's been a really cool project to be a part of, Um, but the idea actually came all the way back in 2019, my first year with the Thunderbirds, when I was at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, went in their gift shop, was just looking around at all the cool stuff that's in there, which if you've never been there, there's a lot of really cool space and aviation stuff in that store. And I was looking at the children's books and I saw that there weren't many that had little girls that were the main character as far as being related to aviation. And there weren't many that showed women in kind of high performance aviation roles. You had kind of the traditional role models of like Amelia Earhart. And I mean, that's great, but I think kids have a hard time relating with more historical figures sometimes because they're so far removed from them. And so I was like, I want to write a book about a little girl who wants to be a fighter pilot and, you know, struggles with some doubt around that dream and ends up meeting a female fighter pilot at an air show that really like solidifies the confidence in her that she can chase that thing down. And so that was, you know, just an idea at that point, wrote a manuscript. A lot of people helped me along the way with refining it, paring it down. Um, I pitched it to all of these literary agents, none of which responded (laughs) because I guess that's how it works in the publishing world. Um, This was during the pandemic as well. So a weird time to be pitching as an unknown first time author. Um, Eventually, I ended up leaving the military, like I mentioned. And in that process, I got connected with someone who was asking him if I would like to work with them as a ghostwriter on a personal development book. And at the, that point, I wasn't ready to do that yet, but I mentioned this manuscript that I had for a children's book. They made an intro to their publisher. Paperwork was signed a week later, and now we physically have hard copies of Upside Down Dreams um, in hand and in the hands of thousands of kids across the country, which has just been the coolest thing to see happen. Very good. Well, first of all, I mean, there was a lot to unpack there, but I, would, I will encourage you, 
yeah, you've gotten an amazing opportunity, even with you know the current book and that even that genre. I, I, I interviewed a gentleman. I, mean, I probably should connect it to you. He's out west. He has sold over four million children's books, and just has built a tremendous brand, primarily in the homeschooling space. So they use the books in homeschooling. He would probably be a good contact for you, but just you know, has built this amazing brand of uh, children's books. And what I've read your book, so I, I got the Kindle version, and uh, it's, it's it's an illustrated book, so it's done very well. As I'm reading, I'm thinking, am I reading this story about you? Are you that little girl? Are you the bit, the woman that she met? So I did not grow up in a military or an aviation family. Um, a lot of times while I was on the Thunderbirds, people would ask that. They're like, did you see the team fly when you were a little kid and decide you wanted to do this? And for me, it was a lot later. I went to college as a criminal justice major, was planning on doing OSI in the military, which is special investigations, for four years to pay back the scholarship that I was on, and then going into the FBI. So I had no intention of being a pilot. I had never been to an air show at that point. Um, and then we did a base visit, and I saw those two fighter jets take off in full afterburner, and I was just like, holy crap, how do I go do that? That's incredible. Um, so I made a pivot at that point. So the book is really written about the interactions I had with children as a Thunderbird pilot, but from, you know, a, a made up child's perspective. So I am the character at the very end that gets to, you know, give the little American flag to the girl and, you know, just send her on her way to go after her goal. Um, Cause I got to do that time and time again. Um, but I had to kind of make up the rest of the story and I, I'm really happy with how it turned out. It was, it was really fun to do that. Like you said, it's like the ideal book. Is it in, is it in the Smithsonian uh, bookstore yet? Oh, it's a work in progress. Yeah, I finally right. got a hold of the right person <laughs> and I'm finally talking to them. So, it, you know, even coming from me with the background that I have mm-hmm. and having done presentations at the Smithsonian while I was on the Thunderbirds, uh, it was very hard to find the right person to get a hold of the book buyer, to get a hold of their like early childhood programming person. Um, and it still is in the works. So we'll see if it pans out, but I'm happy that I'm at least talking to the right person so that they know about it and then they can make an informed decision from there. If they say no, that's fine, but I at least want them to know that it's out here and that it's an option. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's amazing how it seems like so often there's these you know, roadblocks for something that makes so much sense, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that'll, that'll uh, come full circle for you. So Michelle, just for our listeners' sake, I know what the Thunderbirds are, but if you would just quickly, I'll just go back with Steph yeah. in case. I mean, again, it's a very cool thing with the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds are. Can you just describe that in case our listeners aren't familiar with them? Quick pause. If you're here, you're obviously interested in the power of a well-crafted business book. Have you yet to write your first book or thinking about the next one? Make your move. Head over to bitesizebooks.com and secure a session to brainstorm your book idea with me, Mike Capuzzi. With over 240 business leaders and entrepreneurs turned successful authors under my guidance, let's explore if we're the right fit. Your author journey begins today. Now, back to the show. Absolutely. And I realize a large part of the population has never been to an air show and is not familiar. So you have the Thunderbirds, which are the Air Force's Uh, aerial demonstration team and then the only other jet team in the country are the blue angels which is the navy's version Um, so you kind of have the two and we fly f-16s they fly f-18s it's a six aircraft demonstration Uh, so if you're at an air show you see the whole shebang which is like a 30 to 45 minute show all the way from you know marching out synchronized on the ground 
to doing very close formation flying. The jets get as close as 18 inches together um, to flying very low, about 150 feet off the ground, just under the speed of sound because we can't break the sound barrier because it causes a sonic boom, which isn't great when you're that close to the crowd and all the windows and that kind of stuff. So we'll fly by you know, well over 600 miles an hour. Um, a lot of stuff inverted upside down, which is where upside down dreams came from as the lead solo, which is the number five aircraft. I spent more time inverted than any of the other jets on the team. So that kind of becomes the thing you're known for. So the whole title and the business name all came from a play off of that. But it's really kind of a shock and awe and beautiful presentation that the public gets to see. There's moments where it's just graceful uh, formation flying loops and rolls. And then there's like high speed head on passes that look like a game of chicken that look like the jets are going to hit each other where the crowd gasps. I got to do those. They're very fun. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, a huge recruiting tool for the military. I cannot tell you how many kids do go into the military and become pilots or set that as their goal because they got to see uh, the Thunderbirds fly at an air show. Um, it's also just a great way for the American public whose taxpayer dollars are funding our military in general to kind of see how skilled we are and the precision that we have and the professionalism that we have um, and the incredible equipment that we operate. So it's a unique opportunity for the public to get a close-up view of that that they don't generally get otherwise. Yeah, I just saw, and maybe you even flew at the show, The so I'm on the East Coast, and I just saw the Atlantic City Air Show is tomorrow. And yes. the Thunderbirds are there, I believe, because I saw... A every year, yeah. Yes, okay. So did you fly at that show? I flew at that show every year. I can't remember if that one canceled during the pandemic or if we still did it. I think we that might have been gone. I think that may have done, if I recall, that may have Because it was on. later in the year. Yeah, yeah. All the stuff early in the year canceled. Um, but yeah, all of 2019 through 2021, anyone that was at that show, I was one of the yeah. pilots flying in it. Very cool. So before we leave this, I don't want to pass too quickly over the fact that female pilots in the Thunderbirds, let alone the military, I mean, that's that's something special. I mean, how many female pilots have been in the Thunderbirds? Because they're what, from the early 50s is when they were founded? This year is their 70th year anniversary, yeah. So I was the fourth woman to fly in the demo. Um, luckily, another one got hired right after me. So we're on the fifth one to fly in the demo right now. But we think about 70 years, that's just not a lot. And there were, the first one wasn't until 2005. There were several gaps in there um, before I got hired. It had been five years since the last female pilot had been on the team. And, you know, in any other squadron, gender doesn't really matter. You know, the jet doesn't care, the enemy doesn't care, all that kind of, all those platitudes. But when you come to the mission of the Thunderbirds, when it is to connect with the American population as a whole, and it is to recruit as a whole, we have a recruiting issue. I'm sure everyone knows has seen the news about that. We need to be able to inspire the half the population that's female to also show interest in these type of career fields. And from the military's perspective, we're missing out on a lot of talented people if we're not tapping into that half the population. And so in the Thunderbird specifically, I think it's really important to have that representation. And I'm really glad to see that it's there right now. And Threat, who's the um, current woman flying for the team, I'm sure is having many interactions just like you read about in the book as well and inspiring a whole bunch of, of little girls to maybe become pilots one day. And if not, to just be empowered to chase whatever their big dream is. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So it feels weird for me uh, 
it's it's got to be a little odd for you. Like just a couple of years ago, you're fly, flying an F sixteen fighter jet. Now you're you're on these podcasts. You're sharing this message. You're doing keynotes. You're doing your own workshops. Tell me a little bit more about your keynote because maybe there's someone listening that you know says, "Hey, you know they're running these events. What is an ideal?" an ideal one for you? Like what would be an ideal kind of presentation environment audience for someone to hire you as a keynote speaker? I think any organization or audience that is at a point in either their lives as individuals or as an entire team and organization where they're going through a lot of change or they're right on the cusp of where they need to step into something that's a little bit challenging and uncertain. So a lot of times I'll talk to companies that have just gone through a lot of turnover and there's been a lot of movement in internal positions. So a big portion of their team are doing these new jobs and new roles where they don't have the confidence that they're used to having. Um, because what I really talk about, you know, I have some amazing flying videos in there. I share the story of how I got my call sign. I talk about a lot of cool aviation stuff, but the core message of the keynote is about facing fear, overcoming self-doubt, dealing with imposter syndrome. That's something that a lot of people struggle with, especially when they're in one of those transitional points where they're either young and new in a career, or maybe they're a little bit older and experienced, but they're pivoting into something else, a new role or a new industry or whatever it is. And it really pushes people to be willing to be bold. It like there's, I give so many great stories and examples of the rewards that come with being willing to be bold and kind of how you can do that in a little bit less scary way by just making small, bold decisions over time. You can raise your tolerance for discomfort and you can over time go do these things that seemed previously impossible. And so I love speaking to women's groups, of course, because I can connect with them in a, in a certain way, especially women in male dominated career fields, um, like law enforcement or tech. Um, I really love those audiences, but I cannot tell you how many senior leaders, both men and women have come up after presentations and thank me for being there and said that they've felt that way their whole career. Everyone looks to them for the answers. There's no playbook. They're figuring it out as they go and how much they appreciate someone who gets put on a pedestal by a lot of society. Cause you think about like cool jobs you could have and you like from a kid's perspective, especially you're like Thunderbird pilot. That sounds like you're saying like a oh, superhero or something like that. But I think even for adults, they put us on this pedestal of like perfection and fearlessness. And I think just showing them a peek behind the curtain that that's not how it is. Just humans with all these same struggles normalizes it and empowers them. Um, and I, from an outsider's perspective, what I'm doing now is probably not as cool as flying fast jets, but I love it. It is so fun and it's so rewarding. Well, you know, it's, I say it all the time because, you know, we, we interview obviously book authors and I always share about that's why it's the author factor. What's the special factor of being a, a book author? And it all comes down to impact, right? I mean, you were impacting millions of people over the course of your career uh, as a pilot, but you're still doing the same thing just in a different way, right? Uh, probably a little bit safer way, I would imagine. But, you know, it's still, there's impact. You're impacting the younger generation. And that kind of impact, while, you know, you may not know about 99% of it, except maybe the people that email you or come up to speak with you, it's there. And it's one of the biggest reasons why I always encourage people, whether or not they have a really cool background like yourself, or they're just helping people as a lawyer or a doctor or whatever it might be, share that. There's people out there that need to hear it. Um, and it's, it's just a really important thing to, I believe, 
share because you don't know who you can help. So absolutely. So Michelle, before we go, I, I want to just briefly touch on the fact that you did a illustrated children's book, which is a different type of nonfiction book than we typically focus on, but still powerful. Do you have any tips or advice for someone who might be listening, who uh, might be thinking, well, geez, I never thought about doing that. That would be a good idea. Is there just any advice? Maybe it's something you learned the first time around that if you were to do another one, um, you wouldn't you know, make that mistake or you would do it differently? I think I've really realized how powerful it can be and almost what you just said that so many people have a really impactful story to tell. And I've told so many of my friends who have just these crazy life experiences, like you should write a book. And they're like, who would listen to me? I don't have this cool byline. I was in a Thunderbird. I'm like, I would buy your book. Like you have such an impactful, powerful story. You will want to hear from people they can relate to. Um, and so I think I mean, you heard from me, it took me four years, it took me a whole bunch of query letters that got auto rejection emails or no responses, regardless of me being in a high profile role at the time. Uh, and I just set it aside at that point, knowing I would come back to it when it felt like it made sense. And so I think it's just a really good example of just continuing to work, chip away at it and persevere over time. And that sometimes it's a long journey, but it's totally worth it at the end. Because it can it can be a daunting task if you're at just the initial idea point and you're seeing other people at the finished product. You're like, <laughs> this seems like something I just don't have the skills or the knowledge to do. I mean, I I literally just figured it out as I was going the whole time. Yeah. Do you see yourself? I can't imagine you're one and done, though, when it comes to a book, whether it's a children's uh, book or yeah. you know, a traditional business book. Yeah, so... This is the first of a three book series. Children's um, illustrated children's books. Yes. Okay. Yes. With the same, with Lily Padilli, mm -hmm. the same main character. So there will be another one that comes out around the same time next year. And then a third, the following year. So you'll, I haven't announced all the details on that, um, but those will be coming out pretty soon. And then can't get too much into the details on the other one, but there is a personal development book for adults in the works right now. Um, you'll get to know more about that soon hopefully have it in hand about a year from now. Is that going to be self-published or traditionally? Traditional. Very good. Yeah, you got a deal. Yeah. Very good. So we're, we're very early on, so I can't wait when I can like spill all the beans, uh, but it's exciting. It's It's been really cathartic for me actually mm. to just like yeah, share yeah. all and brainstorm and story source and think about all these little things from my life and career that had big impact on me or seemed insignificant at the time because you kind of get desensitized to what you're doing, but can have big impact on other people. And I can't wait to see how it comes together and yeah. how it's received. Very cool. Well, listen, before we wrap up here, you've, you've kind of alluded to it, but I just want to ask it in a, in a way where you can just, you know, give me your best answer so far. What has it meant to you being a published book author? What about the impact, the influence, the, you know, the change in yourself or in what you've seen it in others? I think it's just such a cool way to leave a legacy, especially when your, your book topic is purposely designed to help other people and inspire them. Like I can have those conversations with people that will change some lives and people could have seen me like fly the jets and that could have been a big experience for them. But I think with this book specifically, with it being for kids, for them to physically have it in their hands, to be able to sit in their rooms, to ask mom or dad to read it to them night after night, to, you know, 
I've done a bunch of book signings to get a note written directly to them with their name on it from the author. I think that is very powerful for those kids. And it sends this little signal of what they can go do um, as they grow up. And so it's that legacy for me is just a really cool thing to put out in the world. Very good. Well, Michelle, how can our listeners learn more about you? Oh, by the way, I meant to tell our listeners, I think I said it to you before we hit record. You've got an awesome website, awesome videos. People have to go check out your website. And uh, I know I'm connected to you on LinkedIn and the, the videos you post, I'm like, those are so cool, like point of view videos and stuff. Um, but where's the best place they can learn about you? If they want to look into hiring you for a keynote, where's that? And then where's the best place to get your book? We have so many options here. So my website, as you mentioned, it's just macecurran.com, which is my call sign, M-A-C-E, and then my last name. Um, it has all the info for speaking stuff. So that's the best place to get a hold of me and my team for that. They can see little snippets of videos from speeches, um, a lot more info on topics, all of that. Um, the book is available uh, from the publisher, but also on Amazon. If you just search either my name or Upside Down Dreams, it'll pop right up. It's been a bestseller on there, which was really cool. Um, we could get into the debate about what it means to be an Amazon bestseller or not, but I was I was excited when I saw it pop up, whether it means anything or not. Um, yeah, so Amazon best spot to get that. And then you mentioned LinkedIn. And so two places, Instagram, Mace underscore current, and then LinkedIn, which is just my name with my call sign. LinkedIn, I spend a lot of time. I post about five days a week there, and it is kind of the personal development stuff that's going to be in the other book. It's all of these lessons from flying kind of translated to, to encourage people as individuals to go do big things or talking about high performance teams or talking about calculated risk. It's all these little kind of pieces of wisdom. And so I think for, for adults, that is the most beneficial place to follow along. Um, <laughs> if you want cool flying videos though, Instagram is where it's at. All right. Well, Michelle, again, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for, you know, all that you've done and that you're continuing to do. I think you've got just an amazing future impacting a lot of people's lives. So thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. This is a fun conversation. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Author Factor podcast. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple iTunes. Subscribe, tell a friend, and go grab the notes and extras at theauthorfactor.com. And to learn more about my unique short book publishing services, please check out bitesizebooks.com. See you next time.